Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, welcome, friend. Oh, what's poppin'? <laughs> we are excited to be back today. Mostly me, probably. And because you know how Kristen can be. I'm kind of happy. <laughs> okay. I have energy today. I'm here for it. If I catch her during the work week, it's very touch and go, but we're good Period. today. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, before we get into this week's case, which was a listener requested case, I do want to remind everybody that we're going on tour next year. What is you talking about? <laughs> and <laughs> like, who are, are we, sale. y'all? We're going on tour. Tickets are on sale in how many cities? A lot. You well, have they're... your pick and choose. Right. So we have five going or I'm sorry, five cities for the first leg of the tour. The second leg will be announced very soon. But so yeah, relax. we're super excited. You got Kristen, please. We're super excited to see you guys and to really get to do a case in front of you. We're going to be doing a case that originates from each city that we're going to be going to. So if you have some suggestions, send them our way. This is going to be fun. This is going to be juicy. You guys get to commentate with us. How amazing is that? You guys definitely get to give your tea live and in person. And we're excited about it. So go to BlackGCrime.com to buy your tickets. Period. Also, I want to take a shot. And before I take a shot, I want to highlight the shot glass I'm using. It's a Black True Crime shot glass. Period. Period. So where can we get that, sis? You see it. You can get it at BlackTrueCrime.com as well. We're actually running a sale. So if you buy one, you get it in two days. That's pretty fucking dope. So go check it out. Yay. And just for the record, commentate is a word. So pipe Mm. down. Pipe down. Simmer. Simmer it. A shot hit my ass immediately. Are we ready to get started? Yes. And I'm sober. All right. Let's get it going. Ooh, hold on. Let's 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 talk about it. Let's talk about this cherry red, this strawberry shortcake piece that Kayla has whipped together. You know, I, let's I talk about little, it. I put me a little wig on or whatever. Y'all know me. I'm gonna throw a wig on real quick. Real and quick. It's a different color that I've tried, and it's cute. My man likes it, so we're gonna see what it do. I like it. I think it gives. Um, I think it's hot. I think it's spicy. I think it's different. Thank you, sister. All right, now you ready to get started? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. This week's case doesn't contain a lot of information at all. But being that for almost 20 years, it was considered Indianapolis's worst mass murder ever, we have to talk about it. So join us as we discuss the religious fanatic, King Edward Bell. Mm -mm. I don't like that his last name is that close to ours. I know, right? Our last name is Ball. So, also, Kristen's name is so close to Takeoff's real name. It like hurt my heart. I was like, "Bitch, who?" 
because Takeoff's name is Kirshnik Ball and Chris's name is Kristen Ball. So it was just, I was like, R.I.P. My brother. Like we could have been related. Rest I in know. peace, Takeoff. You did not deserve to leave this world. You left way too early. Way too soon. Shout out to Takeoff. Shout out to Kirshnik. Shout out to Takeoff. Hmm. Okay, so. King Edward Bell Sr. was born in 1950 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Kristen, what happened in black history in 1950? First of all, that's not the date you sent me. You sent me 1948. I does, and it's fine. Okay, so let's say what happened in 1948, because that's what I have. What happened in 1948, ho? Okay. Hey, guys. So I'm here with the Black History segment, and this time we're going to the Caribbean slash Britain. So for those of you guys who did not know, in 1948, specifically June 1948, this big old boat called Empire Windrush finally docked in a city called Tilbury in the UK, and it came from Jamaica. Okay. It's like, okay, is this a cruise? What is it giving? Well, it wasn't really a cruise. <laughs> it was more like a passenger ship that housed over 400 different black people from the Caribbeans, from Jamaica, that wanted to come to basically the UK in search of a big, a better hope, in search of, a, of their dreams to come true, in search of land, property, money, everything. All they had to do was come over, work a little bit, and they would get the life that they dreamed of. Well, it kind of worked out that way for some people, but considering that they actually call these people African Caribbeans coming to England or the UK on a boat, mm-hmm. you already know what it's giving. You know what it's giving. <laughs> it's giving work my tail off. How about and say free labor? That's what it's giving. It's not free because these people were getting paid. This is not oh. slavery. If anything, it's it's different because they are most of them were getting paid. That's okay. the reason why they came. It was for the dream. And maybe they were sold on a dream that wasn't 100% the truth. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Because obviously we know these people faced all types of discrimination when they got there. Right. But they did not work for free as far as my research has shown. So okay. big old boat passenger ship from Jamaica is it brought over 400 black people to the UK Jeez. in 1948. Wow. I thought that was pretty interesting because I always think like, how did y'all get there? Like, how do we have black people in England? You know, and so these type of history pieces Mm -hmm. together, the puzzle of like, okay, this is how certain people got there. Yeah, this is how we have beautiful chocolate Africans that are from, you know, UK, born and raised. With a sexy accent and all. Shout out to Harry. Shout out to Harry Uzoka. If you haven't listened to that episode, what are you doing? He was amazing and changed our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And he had a That's group of friends and they were all fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and he was African and he was not born in the UK. Okay. Right. He was born in Nigeria, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was. Well, thank you, sister, so much for that trip down history lane. Aye, aye, Captain. Mm-hmm. So back to King Edward. King Edward. He was born in 1950 in Indianapolis, and not much is known about, probably actually nothing is known about his childhood. For some reason, and we'll get to it, none of that shit was made public, but yeah. So we're just going to go off what we know. Okay, so why are we calling him King Edward if he was born in Indianapolis? Like, what is it? What is it giving? That's a question for his parents, girl. He was born out the cooch named king edward bell so period 
I'm not going to dwell. <laughs> I need to stop. Okay. All right. So most of the information I was able to find came from like newspaper articles and, you know, stuff like that. And you know how newspapers are. They're not always accurate and they just be saying shit. So we're going to go with what we have and hopefully it's fucking accurate. Kayla, great disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, bitch, because listen, some things. Yeah. You just don't know. Like, even when you're checking your sources and stuff, even if it says .org, is it really right. the truth? Anybody can say anything, especially with dealing with things that have happened this long ago. Mm-hmm. All right. So I was able to find that King served in the military during the Vietnam War. He was there from like 1969 to 1971. So he was basically straight out of high school he joined the military Mm. Mm -hmm. and he actually did two tours so the first tour he didn't really experience much he was admitted to a psychiatric hospital in tokyo because he was convinced the world was going to end oh lord the water messed him up and he was there for 20 seconds Mm? his boots weren't even dirty yet krista he had just got there (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter all you gotta hear is bombs and people running and i'm shook i'm shook i i feel you on that sister oh obviously like early on we can see that he's struggling to hold on to his sanity a little bit yeah he wasn't ready for this no 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 no. in 1970 possibly like between the two tours that he did in vietnam 20 year old king married 16 year old bertha may kirby Bertha, was this arranged? I was about to say this was a different time, but it wasn't that different. So what was it giving? It was giving this man is a little too old for you. Not the worst story you'll ever hear. No, definitely not. Definitely just a little too old. Mm -hmm. It seemed like her mom was on board, like her family was supportive. So, you know, who are we to judge? Mm hmm. In 1975, King was treated at a veteran's hospital for a head pain he described as pressure caused by an invisible tight band around his head. Oh, wow. So he was struggling. I can relate to that head pain. My God. Was it anxiety? Was it stress? Was it real physical pain? Was it emotional pain transferring to physical pain? Poor guy. Great great question, sister. We may never know. Mm. The doctor made a note that said, quote, he sometimes feels that these pressures are reaching a point where he may lose control and hurt someone. Oh, that's mental. And this is early. I mean, this is when he's like maybe what, like 25 at this point. So the signs are definitely fucking there. Hmm. By 1981, 31-year-old King had four children with our girl Bertha. And that's the family. Yes. It's giving all of the hair. I see three children. Is she pregnant? She's probably pregnant. She probably hasn't had the other one yet. I love this hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, they all look really, really cute. Bertha, the hair is giving everything. Thick as a mug. That baby girl looks just like her. Mm -hmm. Both of them look like her, but... Yeah, and King looks good over there. You know, they look like they're well taken care of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's giving, we love our black selves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the family seemed on the outside looking in like any normal family. The children seemed to love their father, and Bertina even made her dad a Happy Father's Day card that year. 
1981. So this picture oh. isn't from 1981. It's from a couple years earlier. But like I said, not much information to go off of. Mm. In 1981, though, the children. So we have King Jr., who was six years old. We have four-year-old Bertina Michelle. We have three-year-old Burkina Rochelle. And then we have one-year-old Kingston Edmund Bell. I love how back in the day, they would give these little babies some grown tail people names. (laughs) One thing they were going to do was derive their own name and give it to their children. One thing they were going to do is, I see you as what you will be and not as you are. (laughs) Right. Okay. And I love it. Your name is Shirley. (laughs) You're coming out the cooch and I'm calling you Cheryl. I'm calling you Bonita. <laughs> right. You're paying bills already. Shout out to our mother because our mother's name is Nikki Nikita and our middle names, both of our middle names, are Nicole. So mm-hmm. she just was really feeling herself and then said, oh, I want you guys to know that I love you the same. That was her excuse. Mm-hmm. We are derivatives of our mother. Just a mess. Anyway, okay, back to the case. So since leaving the military, King had found consistent work loading and unloading trucks. But in 1981, he lost that job and was struggling hard to financially take care of his family. Uh Uh-oh. He got too Mm -hmm. many kids to be struggling. Well, people have a lot of kids and struggle. But I understand what you're saying. It's just like, damn, four mouths to feed on top of the two adults. Like, that's a lot of pressure. To be losing your job, like, that's hella pressure as a man. Right. And I didn't see anything anywhere where it said that Bertha was working, so they probably were just solely depending on King. Mm. And after 11 years together, Bertha decided to leave her husband and go find someone that could really provide for her. Ooh! Bertha said this was not a part of the deal. Oh! (laughs) She's been talking to her mother, our mother, somebody that said, get you a man that, you know, can provide, period. Wow. Yeah. 11 and whole years later. She said, I'm not tied down for what? Right. Kids and all. And still. And still, Kristen. And did and was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she did find her a new man. A 51-year-old man that had money and she was living her best life spending it. <laughs> Bertha and this 50 year old 51 year old man accepted you and your kids and he was wealthy this is this is what I'm talking about okay well we're gonna get to some more details about the situation so I saw in a paper that he was 41 I saw in another news article that he was 51 who knows either way he was at least 15 years older than um homegirl hmm And King was absolutely devastated by her decision, obviously. And to make things even worse, Bertha was apparently going out of her way to rub it in King's face. Oh, come on. Now now I'm on King's side again. Because it's like, girl, what is he supposed to do? He can't find a job. It's not like he's a deadbeat unless he is. And then I totally understand. But if he's not, like, you're supposed to thug it out with your man. Show some patience, show some, you know, grace. Give him a little bit of something. At this point, he he was like, so King was dealing with a lot. At the top of the episode, I said that he was a religious fanatic, and we're kind of going to talk about that in a little bit. I just don't want to give too much away, like, before we get there. So that partly had something to do with why he was so upset. Hmm. So, So Bertha was calling King, and allegedly, because the woman in me just doesn't want to believe she was really doing this to this man. 
She was apparently calling him and bragging about how much money her new man had. And she talked about their sexual escapades. Mm. Just really knifing him up. And she allegedly forced King to let her new man take their children to the state fair. Yeah, that sounds like some woman shit. <laughs> but that sounds like some <laughs> stuff I didn't heard a woman do. Definitely have heard of them doing this, but I never understood why. Like if if he's so dis- if he disgusts you so much, why don't you just leave him alone? Like why don't you just let it go and not make it worse for the man? He's already down on his luck. Girl, I don't know. Playing on a man's ego is one of the most dangerous things a woman can do. Kayla, please say that again. Like, because for the people in the back, because I really feel like in this day and age, people think they can just talk and do anything, women specifically, and don't think this man is about to put his hands on you or do something. You Mm. know, men are nuts. Don't try to reach their level because you will always lose unless you got a piece on you. And no shade, obviously this isn't all men, but let's be real. A lot of women have even come out and said that their lives were saved by tailoring to the man's ego, by overly complimenting him or making him feel like he's amazing. And then, you know, the aggressive, violent nature kind of like dissipated a little bit. And it's sad to say, but that's real shit. So chill on the shit you be talking to men that don't got all their marbles. Period. (laughs) (laughs) okay so to clarify a couple things the couple wasn't officially divorced yet when all this was going on and until that happened king is the one that had custody of the four children but he could barely afford to feed them let alone pay for a babysitter or buy them school supplies so he leaned on bertha's help a lot and was definitely stuck between like a rock and a hard place well shout out to king for keeping custody of his children yeah, he was he loved those kids. Everywhere that I read when they described King, they said, "Yeah, he was off. He was a little odd, but he mm-hmm. loved his kids." Period. Mhm. And despite loving them, the stress was really getting to King. Like he said he couldn't eat, he was having trouble sleeping, so he was just becoming increasingly anxious and on edge. We know that's not a good combination for someone that thought the world was ending and had to be put into his ward already. Just saying. Period. I mean, the pressures of life, they're not for the weak. So like we talked about a little bit ago, King was a religious man. He was a Catholic church going man, which is unheard of in my experience for black people to really be Catholic. I don't really see that too often. This is true. But no shade. So yeah, he was really church going. He would go to church every Sunday. They went to a church called Holy Angels Catholic Church. Um, A neighbor named Laura Spell said that King was, like I said before, an odd man and shared that King had cut a hole in the ceiling of the family home because he wanted to meditate in the attic. Okay. So it's just giving, you okay? It's just giving, I'm going to do what I want to (laughs) do. It's giving, don't look him in the eye for too long. (laughs) because <laughs> he may have a question and you're not ready to answer it's giving keep your distance <laughs> yes so he had a license plate frame on the family car that said the family that prays together stays together mm-hmm. so red flag <laughs> kayla it's not well, a red flag it's not a red flag but usually people that have those license plates are like either extremely devout which is cool dope or hiding behind the religion you know to shield the world from their toxic evilness 
Or, like, let's just be fair. <laughs> like or I said, e- it's either real. Go to church and just that's why I to said, put that shit on their on their that's car. That's like it's either like soup's real and like he's devout and just loves the Lord, or he's overcompensating. This is true. It could you be know? either or. Mm-hmm. But you know King more than I do, so I do, Kristen. I do. We may never know what actually led to king doing what he did but he was about to completely let go of the reins of reality and commit one of the cardinal sins against his own kin kayla is this another child case kristen trigger warning oh my god we'll take a break we'll take a break (sighs) so before we get into the day of the murder um, I want to tell you guys a little bit about it because I haven't really told Kristen about it, but I've been taking Magic Mind. I brought it up here with me. Yes, sir. I've been doing like their two week challenge. It's called, I think, Two Weeks of Magic. I don't know. But either way, it's built to give you energy and like help you relax and de-stress. And it's like a matcha drink. So for me, you know, I don't like taste for real. So I just pop mine in a smoothie that I make every morning. And Kristen, it's giving. What is the give, Kayla? It's giving caffeine without the caffeine. It's giving coffee without the shits. It's giving (laughs) what it needs to give. If you guys are caffeine intakers or coffee drinkers, I highly suggest trying this out. Okay. Well, I will try it out. But I love coffee specifically for the shits. (laughs) So for those of us who aren't drinking coffee as a laxative... Right. Maybe we should try this. Yes. And just health based in general, it's so much better for you health wise. And if you want to try it out, use our code black 14 for 20% off at their website, magicmind.co. Period. Magicmind.co. All right. You know. Now. <laughs> All righty. Now let's get back to what's going to break our hearts. So on Friday, August 21st, 1981, king who mind you he has a new job now so he's not struggling that much for money he at least has some coming in uh one of his friends hooked him up with a warehouse job at an actual trucking company okay dope things are looking up right back in the saddle king Mm -hmm. but on this friday night he was up late sifting through some family photo albums while his four children slept in their beds so he had the kids this time Mm mm-hmm they were still living in the family home on the outskirts of Indianapolis. Indianapolis. On the outskirts of Indianapolis's inner city, and the black scrapbook was full of family memories they'd all created together. And so I'm he's sure just Bertha like, was in there. Bertha was definitely in there. He was reminiscing on the good times. Ooh, I'm sad. Oh, King. King, come on, King. King Edward. King, I'm sad. And just a few moments later, after setting the scrapbook down, King picked up two pistols and a shotgun and started walking toward Kingston's bed. (sighs) He carried the one-year-old to the basement of the home where he shot him four times in the head. Okay, King, relax. Four times. He shot a one-year-old four times in the head. I can't, I don't even want to yell this because I feel like someone's going to hear it and do it again or something. Like, oh, this man was troubled. This went too fucking far. Then he went on and got three-year-old Burkina, took her down to the basement and shot her twice in the head. Good oh my God. God. 
Four-year-old Bertina was brought down next, and King shot her twice in the head as well. My God. And then King Jr., he was the last one, the oldest, six-year-old. He was shot three times in the head and was laid next to his siblings in the basement. And then the autopsy report showed that he had some type of defensive wound on his hand, suggesting that he tried to, like, protect himself. Ah, Kayla, this is too much. I know. My heart is mush. I hate these cases but our listeners request them so often Kristen. you guys y'all y'all be doing it to me y'all are fucked yeah. up really i work with kids <laughs> i could just this is just hurting my heart but also like this is the first real moment i could see exactly what king was feeling emotionally and how his broken psyche led him to take his kid's life. I could see him thinking that this was the easier way out for them, that he was right. saving them from a life of pain, struggle, poor poverty, all that right. extra stuff, being without him as their father. Yeah. But at the same time, King, like, no, you don't, you don't kill your Do kids. Right. And I want to hold him to the same standard as everyone else. It's like, I don't care what the hell you're going through within your relationship, your marriage. That has nothing to do with your children, right? So you shouldn't take it out on them. However, we're not talking about someone that has all their faculties in place. We're not someone that's dealing with, talking about someone that's dealing with a full deck. So he's dealing with the the disappointment of the marriage. Because remember, he's super Catholic. So I don't know much about Catholic people. I don't mm. think they really are for marriage. I mean, sorry, divorce. They're not. So he so he was really like, "Oh my god, we are full-blown divorced, you know? Like I failed God. I failed my children because I can't even feed them and now she's out here gallivanting around with a grown-ass man and ain't even really helping take care of her kids." And and he's processing this. Yeah. Being broke. Right. Psyche's broke. Right. Emotional as hell. Yeah. And this is what he chooses to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the worst story. It really it really sucks. It really sucks that it got this far. Oh, so God. the children were apparently, like I said, they were in the basement, but they were placed on a bunk bed in the basement, kind of lined up in like a row. They were mm-hmm. obviously all still wearing their sleep clothes. And please don't get me started on the fear the older kids probably felt. Because remember, he went youngest to oldest. So they're upstairs hearing what's happening to their younger siblings and just essentially waiting for it to happen to them. Kayla, could you imagine? Like, no. what do you do? And then you're thinking like, okay, the kid could have ran, but run where? Go where? And run from his own daddy? He probably thought something was going on with his father, not, you know, the fact that his father was doing the damage. No child is going to think, hey, let me protect myself from my dad. That's not something that they are programmed to to think. So I can't imagine what the fuck they were going through. And then with Terrell, Terrell has two girls that are four years old. Being around them, I'm like, they know so much. They notice everything. They pick up on everything. So it just rips me up even more because I know those children were like aware that something scary was happening. Wow. So over the bunk bed and the dying children king wrote in chalk jesus please take these kids he then spent the next four hours walking around the house writing notes and then the family had like a blackboard in the house and on there he wrote goodbye this is the end of a true loving family 
Wow. Yeah. He even attempted to write a suicide note, and this is what some of the notes said. Quote, I just came back from the basement. I thought I heard my loving children saying, Dad, Dad, I'm cold. But they were dead. They died instantly. Tina died the fastest. Kingston, Boogie, Kina refused to die, so I reloaded the gun with shaking shaking hands, telling them, please don't suffer. I will help you die faster. I keep hearing... I keep hearing children in the basement saying, dad, dad, come here. I'm cold. Dad, dad. I've kissed them again and talked to them. Their spirit lived there in heaven. The children's voice is now getting louder down in the basement. They won't want me up here and then down there for I know they're just babies. End quote. So at last line, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about, but everything else was just like part of me can picture him writing this with a very blank stare on his face and he's just given up. He's given up on life. Girl, this is a way of him punishing himself. Yeah. Like, cause he didn't even kill himself. Somebody who would have like wanted to exnate themselves out of the pain and hurt and everything would have just killed himself. So we're gonna, we're gonna get to him wanting to die or not. Hmm. So from what we know so far, if we're speculating why the fuck King did this, we can probably, you know, guess that he was just under a lot of pressure. He couldn't provide for his kids. So therefore, he wanted to take them out of their misery. That's kind of the only really thing that we can go off right now that may make an iota of sense as to why he killed his children. And now he's just feeling, I think, humiliation and anger, and he turns his head toward punishing Bertha. What did he do to Bertha? It's not over, sister. So around 5 a.m., remember, he was looking on Friday night, he was looking at the scrapbooks, and then he decided to kill his children, and then he waited a couple hours, wrote notes, whatever, and then he decided to leave his house. So around 5 a.m., King left the family home and drove to Clarence Barnett's building. And Clarence is the man that Bertha is dating right now. He drove to where Clarence lived. And when Clarence came outside, I don't know if he was holding the gun, which he probably was. But Clarence was like, I'm trying to get the fuck out of here. So he was in his car and King just shot his like windshield out with mm. the shotgun and then shot at him multiple times, hitting him at least one time in the chest. Golly. Clarence thankfully survived, even though he was like gravely injured, but he did survive his injuries. Okay. When King left Clarence's house, his next stop was Bertha's. When Bertha came out of the house to confront him, she was wearing her robe and some tennis shoes, and I don't really think they even had a full conversation. He just started shooting her multiple times in that parking lot, and she died at the scene. He then walked into Bertha's house, so where Bertha was living, and it was actually her mom's house, and that was 54-year-old Mary Alice Kirby, and he walked into the house and shot her at the kitchen table. Wow. And Mary also died at the scene. Good God. He then went outside and shot Bertha again. Mm-hmm. I don't understand King's... That's what I'm saying. There is some type of, yeah, he's feeling overwhelmed and he's trying to get rid of his stressor, which is like his children, right? And some people can understand how it got there. But to go and do what he did to Bertha and her mother, I mean, that just points out that he was feeling very vindictive Mm -hmm. and it was just that 
ego popping out again. It's almost like he killed the humanity within himself by killing his kids. And then from then on, it was fair game. Anybody could get it, especially the ones who hurt him or he feels like hurt him the most. Absolutely. Because maybe he would, his whole plan was to try to take out the boyfriend and the mom and, you know, Bertha. But if he took them out, he knew nobody would be there to take care of his children. So maybe that's just why he took their lives. Wow. You know, shit. I just considered that right now. So, hey, could have happened. There was also a 10 year old girl at the home, Mary's home, sleeping in the basement bedroom. But thankfully, she wasn't harmed at all. Good. Someone called 911, I'm assuming because they heard the shots. And by the time help arrived, thankfully, King was still there. So he was able to be arrested by police really quickly. And apparently while he was being arrested, he was yelling, kill me, kill me, go ahead and kill me. Mm-hmm. King, mm. what have you done? Yeah, he's done the most unspeakable thing. And surprisingly, they didn't kill him because, you know, police be trigger happy. <laughs> but it was also they also I remember reading that they said, well, if he really wanted to die, all he had to do was hold up one of the guns that he killed these people with and that part it would have been over with so mm-hmm. obviously he didn't really want to die mm-hmm. at least as not was, right then and there right as he was driven away from the scene he reportedly was saying quote kids i'm coming to join you mm. so you can you, know you can take that as you can take that any way you want you can take it as oh he's really trying to milk it or like make us think he actually feels bad or he actually feels bad. I was going to say, can you're starting to piss me off. Mm-hmm. You did all of this damage. And now you're talking about kids. I'm coming to join. Do you think you're going to heaven? Because those babies are in heaven. They're going to heaven. And, and then while he was about be- you. And then while he was being booked and fingerprinted, he kept repeating, what's happened to my babies? What's happened to my babies? So... Wow. Did he dissociate? Like, was he even freaking there? I don't know. I just think it's so frustrating because when you deal with these mental, like, demons or mental disabilities and how people can completely dissociate and act like they're not there, but their body is doing the action. Like, it just makes me so confused. Were you there? Do you know what you've just done? Are you lying? What is the truth? I think he knew what he did. If... If he doesn't remember killing his children, maybe because that was just so traumatizing and he just, his psyche was like, I'm not holding on to this. But going after his, or his ex-wife and his ex-mother-in-law and then her man, I feel like that was nothing other than spite, nothing other than I'm trying to hurt revenge. Mm. Back at the scene, police found a sign on the wall in the home that read, the family that prays together stays together. Once again, it's like his little motto. And they found that King had written all of the children's names on the wall in chalk. So that's not really an important detail, but it was found. And maybe it speaks to him not being all the way there. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's kind of easy to make other people think that you're mentally ill. But because, like I already talked about, in 1975, he was put into a hospital because he was having a break in his psyche. It doesn't seem too far off that he really does have mental issues. Right. Among the letters he had written included one that said something like, quote, 
I'm going to get that bitch and her boyfriend. Oh. So it's. That sounds premeditated. It's giving. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. That part. According to investigators, King wasn't taking the divorce well at all. He actually started stalking Bertha. So he would pop up on her while she was at work. He would, I mean, he was just really desperate. Like he would call her a lot, a lot. He was just desperate to get her back. Yeah. Like that's a part of the male ego. When you've had Mm -hmm. something, especially legally, you think you can just walk away? Especially a woman. Right. You think you can just walk away? Yeah. So he was not showing that he was moving on at all. And Bertha wasn't here for it. She wasn't flattered by him trying to get. She was like, I'm done with this. Like, leave me the fuck alone. Period. And he wouldn't. And at the time, like I said at the top, King Bell was responsible for Indianapolis's worst mass murder in history. Wow. Mm-hmm. Deputy Prosecutor David Cook was actually present at the scene where the children were found. And he said, quote, I know it was psychological, but it took me days to quit smelling blood. Oh. I'll, ne- I'll never forget it. It's almost as if it was yesterday. My God. Good Lord. Just tr- it traumatizes everyone. That's what I'm saying. You can't just do this and think other people aren't going to be affected. If they have a heart, they'll never forget it. And like, this is a definition of hurt people, hurt people. You're hurting every single person who heard about the story. Shit, you hurting me. And this is how many years later? 21. And straight trauma. Yeah. Wait, 41. Good God. 1981 was 41 years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord. Time is so disrespectful. (laughs) So police were confident that they had the right man. I mean, he was basically like caught in the act. And with the fact that Clarence survived and could identify King, it was over with for the Vietnam vet. And he was charged with six counts of murder and also charged with attempted murder for Clarence's attack. Wow. Mm -hmm. And he deserved every single one of them. To be fair, yeah. I don't care if he was going, you know, he, we all go through a lot of things, but that doesn't mean we go out and kill six people. And regardless of of our family. Right. Regardless, the dude needs some type of isolation from people because right now Mm -hmm. it's not giving. He cannot be around people because he's not normal. And it's not even just normal. He just doesn't have the capacity or he's not showing that he has the capacity of self-control. You know, there were so many other avenues he could have went to to get help other than killing everyone. Yeah. So rest in peace to Bertha, Mary, all the kids. And, you know, shout out to Clarence. We're glad that you survived that attack. Rest in peace, family. So we know King had a right to an attorney, just like everybody does. And his attorney happened to be 53-year-old Doug Butler. So Doug had been a defense attorney for more than 26 years and had received more acquittals than convictions when it came to his murder cases. Mm. Mm -hmm. So he was the guy to go to. And on top of that, he was a father of eight himself. Dang, Doug. And Doug wasn't just any defense attorney. He was Indianapolis's best of the best. For one case, he wore 27 different suits for the 27 days of the case, and he ended up winning. He's so extra. He's how very the theatric. <laughs> I was about to say, how the heck did our dude, King, get Doug? Girl, 
So it was actually a favor that he was doing on behalf of Judge Brewer. So the Judge Webster Brewer was actually presiding over King's case. So I don't know if it was like a man understanding a man's perspective. You know, I don't I really don't know what the connection was, but he asked him to do it. And Doug says, sure, I'll do it. Maybe they were both like Vietnam vets because that war, to be fair, messed up a lot of people. Really did, and the government didn't do half of what the fuck they could have done to help them. Nah, half them Vietnam vets are on the streets. Mm-hmm. So Doug went to the prison or the jail and talked to King. King was being held on suicide watch, and after Doug talked to him, he was like, "Yeah, I'll take this case. It's largely going to be based on if he's sane or not." So Doug planned on going for an insanity plea. Mm-hmm. But since his arrest. King had made it pretty clear that he wanted to die. And Doug was like, okay, fine. You can die, but it shouldn't be at the hands of the state. Mm -hmm. So he was trying to get the death penalty verdict completely thrown off the table. Okay. During one of his visits with King, Doug suggested that King start writing about his life. So his childhood, you know, things he'd gone through, stuff like that. And King did it. (laughs) He went to motherfucking town. He wrote 24 pages of a legal pad. So he filled all the pages. And then he wrote a separate essay about black on black crime. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not giving dumb. No. People, People may think mental illness suggests that you're not intelligent, but that is not the case. And if you've seen Beautiful Mind, you freaking know that. And if you've seen Kanye's daily antics, you know that. (laughs) (laughs) According to Doug, the writing wasn't the most organized or concise, but it was still impressive in a way that although his writing and ideas were all over the place, some of them really had some depth to it. So you can tell that the wheels be turning in his head and he can put two and two together. It just, you know, may take him longer or he may just go a different way around it to get to it type of thing. I'm about to say, like, maybe the way he processes shit, like, it's it's 80% like everybody else. That last mm-hmm. 20% is just off. Yeah, yeah. He'd included prayers, too, in the writing. And one prayer said, pray with me for GIs of the Vietnam era that they recognize the Agent Orange herbicide and the other many wrongs that have happened to them while away from home to not be as I was or became a walking time bomb. So he's basically blaming the chemicals that he was exposed to. If you guys don't know what Agent Orange is, it's a chemical that was used during the Vietnam War to clear vegetation and trees. So like, you know, it's easier for them to fight, whatever, whatever, but was at the same time poisoning the soldiers who were getting cancers, diabetes, all that type of stuff. Mm, mm, mm. So he is mm-hmm. a cancerous product of his cancerous environment. He went to go fight a war for our country, and now his family has to suffer for it. Yeah. I mean, in his mind, that is one plus two equals three. He went to Vietnam. He was exposed to Agent Orange. It led to him losing his mind and killing his family. Wow. Yeah. So Doug prepared an insanity defense while keeping in mind that the state of Indiana had recently enacted a new verdict option that says a defendant is, quote, guilty but mentally ill. So mm-hmm. I, I like that a little bit because we have cover cases on here. It's like, damn, that man can't hold his brain in a handbasket if he was told to. Mm-hmm. You know, in certain situations like that, I feel like the punishment should be different. It should be. 
They should be yeah. locked up. Facts. Don't put them around me. Right. But the senselessness, the the lack of humanity mm-hmm. may not be their fault in this case. Right. And that shouldn't make them have lack of treatment when they're in prison. Because this new statute that I'm talking about with Indianapolis or Indiana suggested that an offender would receive psychiatric help while suffering the punishment of their actions. Period. And that's that's all we want. It should be that way. I feel like if you if you have mental health issues, a part of those unalienable rights that the Constitution suggests we have should be fucking treatment. Yeah, it's just like if you didn't commit a crime, but you got mental illness, you should seek help. If you mm-hmm. did commit a crime and you got mental illness, you need to be locked up, but help. you should still seek help. Yes, yes. So when the time came for trial, both the prosecution and the defense came prepared with witnesses evidence that proved their cases, the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. But before the trial could even start, while jury selection was happening in January 1982, King had an epileptic epileptic seizure Mm. in the middle of the hearing. My God. Mm -hmm. The proceeding was cut short, and Judge Brewer ordered that King be examined to make sure he was cleared to stand trial. You duh! (laughs) Like, damn. Like, he has a mental illness keyword on the illness and now he's having seizures in court and it's not fake this dude needs genuine freaking help asap but epilepsy is not a mental health disorder epilepsy is a medical illness disorder exactly so i don't know if him having epilepsy or suffering from epileptic seizures to stop him from being able to be tried but mm-hmm. there may be more to it that we don't know so i'm just glad that they had him get examined and all that good stuff mm-hmm. so king was examined by three different psychiatrists and they all found him competent to stand trial so once that became official the trial was set to start in april of 1982 i'm sorry you said he was examined by a psychiatrist after he had yes. an epileptic seizure Correct. So, like I said, because he was having so many, like, mental health-related issues, or at least in his past, they saw that he had struggled, I think that that's what they were equating it with. But also, it's 1982, who knows how much they actually knew about epilepsy or mental health, so... I was about to say that crossed <laughs> different yeah. lines. Medical illness, mental illness, now he's seen a psychiatrist after he had a seizure. It's just, I know. what are we doing? Hopefully he was seen by an actual medical doctor, doctor. as well. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see that written anywhere. But the trial never came. It never happened. Because what? King, yes, girl. So basically it kind of started, I guess, but didn't get far because King couldn't get through a day without hyperventilating and seemingly breaking into a medical emergency. <laughs> King, boy. I know, I know. What do we do with someone like that? Is it is it real? Is it a bona fide adult tantrum? Like, what do we do? Great question. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, and it's hard to it's hard to fucking say on the outside looking in. He could have really been sick, but like I said, I never, I didn't see any mention of him struggling with things like this before the murders happened. So it would be different if he was having like these seizures or blackouts or stuff like that before he killed his family. But now it's happening only and solely after. I don't know how that looks. So what did they end up doing? So the prosecution and the defense got together and said, hey, we need to fucking work out a plea deal outside of court. According to prosecutor Cook, quote, I always suspected it was a matter of time. 
we began to view the case from a practical legal approach on a legitimate mental aspect. It was very apparent he loved those children. Most reasonable people think you must be crazy to kill your natural children. How are you going to overcome this presumption and get a death recommendation? End quote. So he's basically saying, damn, there's a societal prejudice. Mm-hmm. And that societal prejudice is, oh, you shouldn't kill your children. And if you do kill your children, you have to be mentally ill. So therefore, you don't deserve the death penalty. So the prosecution is like, well, we don't think he was mentally ill to the point of not being able to suffer the death penalty for these murders. So how are we supposed to convince a jury of 12 people to agree with us if it's going against the societal expectation or prejudice? I'm like... Okay, I understand where they're coming from, but if anything, societal expectation is to you kill your kids, you should die. I don't care what right. what, what you got going on, mm-hmm. especially back in the nineteen freaking eighties. And I think that's easy for us as women to say because we are mothers and we would be creating these children. But as far as a man's perspective, like I said, there's men all up and down this case, you know, defending it, arguing it, presiding over it. So they're probably like, hey, I understand. I can get behind you. I've been stressed out to the point that I thought about killing my kids. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's just it's just a mess regardless. The two men worked out a plea agreement for King. So King would plead guilty but mentally ill to the six counts of murder. And instead of being sentenced to death, he'd be given 160 years in prison. Well, there you go. Good Lord. (laughs) he's never getting out no he's gonna die in prison Mm -hmm. but doug didn't stop there doug is his defense attorney Mm -hmm. he even wrote a letter to each board member of the state department of corrections pleading with them to make sure that king gets psychiatric treatment please like that part yeah even though he'll never see the light of day again at least help him be able to live within himself without feeling tortured by his mental health issues yeah it's just i think that's just a human thing to do and the thing is like he's gonna be tortured regardless because once he gets his psyche back if he does from the psychiatric help he's gonna realize what the f he did and really be messed up yeah he's really gonna hurt and i think he i think he has been i think he's he was hurting from the day he did it and even before that i agree so Although Doug fought for King, King's desire to die never changed. And in 1987, inmate King took two plastic bags into his prison cell and suffocated himself with them. Wow. He'd apparently had his blanket up over his head. So after he was dead, his body sat in his cell unnoticed for more than two days. Wow, Kayla. I don't know what the fuck. If somebody doesn't come out of their cell to eat for at least one day, I think that should send some red flags. But they're so they probably had so many inmates they didn't even notice. This is just not this story does not have a good ending. I'm not happy about his death. Yeah. I'm not sad about his death. This is just the whole situation is messed up. It just it screams preventable to me. Mm-hmm. So because of this major fuck up on behalf of the the prison, four correction employees were suspended and two more were disciplined. And King was only 38 years old when he died. Wow. Yep. What a waste of a life, man. I mean, he didn't, not to say he didn't get a chance because obviously he was 31 when he committed these murders. So he obviously had a, a chance, but damn. Damn, I can't sit here and lie and say I don't feel bad for 
the emotions he was experiencing at the time. I do feel bad, however, that he took the lives that he did because that's just fucking unacceptable. It's just like real live things going on in this world that just make you sit back and be puzzled. Yeah. Like and thank God. And thank God that that's not something that you have to struggle with on a daily. You know, Hell you and no. I, we don't. We don't have homicidal thoughts on the daily that we have to actively fight against or voices in our head. And it's a blessing. Yes. And if you guys do like seek help in every way, spiritual way, mental way, you know, anything, because that's an attack on you. You just going to sit there and keep getting beat up. It's not your fault. Absolutely not. No, you deserve to live a very full, happy life. So go on Google, type in free mental health resources because they're out there. Yes, and say a prayer for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking about how the trial didn't really get to get off its feet, there were some parts that were discussed during hearing. So one of those pieces of evidence that was discussed was the book King wrote about his life and the murders on that like 24-page legal notepad I told you about. Mm-hmm. So Doug read it out loud to the courtroom, and from the writing, King expressed that he blamed Bertha and her family for the issues they'd had in their relationship. So, see, it wasn't take all accountability, just, King. Mm, it wasn't all just, oh, I'm stressed. You know, it was, I'm pressed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Charles Kirby, Bertha's father and Mary's husband, as well as other family members disagree and say that King senselessly murdered their beloved and those children. According to Charles, quote, King Edward Bell should live with what he has done. He should be put in a room by himself and let him worry himself to death. Mm. End quote. I'm out of that. I was to say, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not against that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, regardless, he do need to be in a room by himself to think about what the freak he's done. Yeah. For the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Daisy Kirby, who was Bertha's sister and Mary's daughter said, quote, there is nothing that he can say. And there is not anything that the court can do to ever bring my mother and sister back alive. The only thing I know for sure is that he should never see daylight again. And he never did. So, you know, by the way, some of the mental health professionals that took a look at King, I'm sorry, not just mental health. It was two physicians that looked at him and they said he could be treated like his issues were very treatable and it would take about two years for that treatment to be completed. But as we know, he was in jail for over five years and still decided to take his life. So, And was treatment given to him? Do we know that? We do not know that because, you know, once they lock you up and throw away that key, they don't really care about what's happening to you on the daily. Yeah. Somebody sign me at this point. But... Kayla, <laughs> this is not about you. <laughs> I know. I said, this is not the time. But yeah, this case was not satisfying in the slightest. And I don't even think I mentioned who recommended this case at the top. So shout out to I am Kay Lachey. She recommended this case. Kay, where did you get this from? Are you from Indianapolis? I I would love to know. I was about to say they haven't even made a documentary or an episode on a crime show about this. So how you found this friend? Mm hmm. But yeah, so that was our case for this week. Rest in peace to the six people that lost their lives at the hands of King Edward. And shout out to all the millions of people that have lost their lives to the hands of the real King Edward in England. But And shout out to all the people who have lost their lives, whether it was financially or their actual lives due to the yeah. Vietnam War, which was pointless. 
<laughs> Kristen, you better say that. So, yeah, let us know what you guys thought about this case. Made me sad. I don't feel like I've done anything good after <laughs> finishing this. But, you know, you guys can let us know what you thought. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to buy your tickets to the tour, the first leg of the tour. Remember, tickets aren't going to be on sale forever. We're going to stop selling them in January. So get them while you can. Yes, child. And if you're coming, feel free to DM us at Black True Crime Podcast on IG to talk about, you know, what cases do you want to hear? Yes. Yes, indeed. And that discount you're going to be getting or we're offering ain't going to be there for very long. I think like two more weeks. So, yeah, get on it. Get on it, sis and bro. And before we go... Be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space. So, so we, don't we don't have to have cover, to cover your, your case, friend. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time.